praise the Lord for that promise uh, that we are forgiven and that our relationship, our fellowship with him is restored every time um, we confess those sins to him. As we were praying this, uh, this morning under Dan's leadership uh, during our offering time, um, and, and you may have noticed if you're, if you're new to Midway or haven't been here uh, since, um, since the pandemic started, I know some of you are back uh, for the first or second time. Welcome back. By the way, we're really glad to see you. Thankful that you're here. Thankful for, for your faithfulness uh, to be a part of Midway, even online and, and through the mail and all the other ways that we do it online. But, but uh, we don't do the offering like we used to. And so there are boxes in the front and the back um, that you can drop your offerings in if you brought them with you, or you can use the online um, opportunity that you can find out about on the, on the website. But that's uh, as, Dan, as Dan was leading us in that offertory prayer, he mentioned um, a number of our missionaries um, by name. Uh, and, and other ministries that we support. And one of those you um, heard was Richard Howe. Um, lots, a lot of you know Richard. He and Rebecca are members here of Midway. And uh, he has been a, a professor at uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary for a number, good number of years. How many years, Richard? 26 years. And uh, for the last five, five years or so, he's been Professor Emeritus, um, uh, sort of semi-retired in a sense, um, but but not really because he's been even busier um, with other kinds of travel and other kinds of ministry as an apologist and philosopher. And um, just um, just this past week, um, that the Southern Evangelical Seminary is, is undergoing a, a leadership transition, and the new president of the seminary um, made two decisions uh, concerning Richard Howe, and I wanted to let you know about these things. Um, so you continue praying for him, and also to continue to take advantage of the opportunity that we have of the ministries that he offers us here at Midway. Um, he has been named uh, the uh, provost of the seminary, um, which is the right-hand man in the academic field for, uh, uh, for the new president. And he is also uh, the, the new chair of the Christian apologetics um, um, department uh, of the seminary, which is what we know him as an apologist and and a person who who knows how to answer the critics uh, of the gospel and of the the word of God and and who knows how to to instruct um, good thinking and and good philosophy, uh, which is critical in our day today. And so, uh, Richard, we want to congratulate you. And uh, we're very, uh, very thankful for your ministry, you and, and Rebecca, who can't be with us this morning, but thankful for both of your ministry um, here at Midway, but also the work that you're doing at Southern Evangelical Seminary, which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is in Charlotte, um, but it's also become a remote, uh, pretty much a remote campus these days, so it's not going to mean that, that they're going to be moving to Charlotte. Uh, they'll stay right here, um, and uh, you know he'll be, be back and forth like he has been, but, but he'll also be around the world. Um, in, on, by Zoom and other, uh, other um, technologies. But thank you, Richard, for your, your faithfulness, your ministry. And um, just a, a note, he will be here in the, in the sanctuary this afternoon at 5 o'clock for anybody who wants to be here for our question and answer um, session from 5 to 6.30. And so he's a, a part of that ministry on an almost every week basis. And you can take advantage of his knowledge uh, by coming in and asking questions or, or just coming in and listening to the other questions that are answered and, and enjoy that fellowship. But uh, we are thankful for that. And I also wanted to mention one other great answer to prayer this morning. Um, uh, a lot of you have been praying for the Zop family, particularly for Robert 
and Amy as they were um, in Bulgaria for the last couple of weeks uh, to adopt a, a new daughter. And praise God, they are home, and they're here, right back there. So welcome back. And uh, their new daughter is clapping her hands along with us. And how do you pronounce her name, Robert? Emmeline. This is Emmeline Zop, um, fresh from Bulgaria, the latest Zop. There are now, um, what, seven of you? Seven kids. So nine of you. Yeah. So we, uh, we'll have to work on our seating situation, uh, make sure that we do some, some nine spots. But welcome back. Uh, it's been our joy to be praying for you and so thankful for the way the Lord worked. I know there were some difficult moments, but generally speaking, it was a smooth, smooth ride, and praise God for that. And Emmeline, tell me again, Emmeline, welcome to Midway. We are glad you're here. All right. <laughs> Sherry and I, having adopted a five-year-old son while we were at Midway Community Church uh, 24 years ago, um, know the importance of the family of God working together. Um, it can, uh, it, it's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of tough times as well. And so uh, the, uh, the Zops are, are not new to adoption. Uh, she's their third uh, international adoption. Praise God for their, their ministry. And, but be praying for them, and uh, there will be opportunities to, uh, to show some support and care. But we're glad you all are back. Welcome. And now let's turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians for just a very brief message this morning. This is, uh, there have been messages in many ways this morning, especially uh, through our baptism of uh, Graham and Asher. It's uh, been so encouraging to us this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, as we continue um, really to compare ourselves in many ways to the believers in Thessalonica in the first century that Paul um, established as a church, couldn't stay there long, had to leave because of the persecution, then wrote them two letters. We're in the second letter now. And in, in this particular section that we're in, in the first chapter of Second Thessalonians, we're being encouraged by a, a prayer that the Apostle Paul was praying for the Thessalonians. And so we're seeing in that prayer a prayer that we also ought to be praying for one another as 21st century Christians. We're going through some of the very same things that they were going through in those days. And look at what the Apostle Paul prayed for them in verse 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. With this in mind, and what he has in mind is what he was just talking about, the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming back, and when he comes... He's going to bring judgment on those who don't believe, and he is going to be glorified through all the people that do believe, including these Thessalonians. And he says that with this in mind, that they're going to be a part of that glorious throng, glorifying Jesus in his return. We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act of prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this prayer is based on the grace of our God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what grace is. His best, even though we deserve the worst. He gives us his best. It's a gift. Whenever he speaks of grace in the word of God, remember gift. He gives us his best through the work and person of Jesus Christ. And that's what the the Thessalonians had experienced. And as believers who had experienced that grace, he's praying for them, not only that they'll be counted worthy, and we talked about that worthiness, and and I would encourage you, if you haven't been with us in in this whole study, um, you can go to our our website and and listen to those messages, because I can't reiterate um, every point. But he's not only praying that that they will live a life worthy of the calling that they've received, he's also praying that they'll remember that he is working good in their lives and that they'll be fruitful in that goodness as he's conforming them to the image of Christ. And then he prays in this final part of the prayer. He prays that they will be fruitful in their works of faith. He calls it acts prompted by their faith. He wants us to be fruitful. He wanted them. He wants us to be fruitful in our work of faith. Our work of faith. I, I had Dan read Genesis chapter, that section from Genesis chapter 4 this morning to give an example of a work of faith. There were two works in that, in that, uh, in that story that we looked at this morning. There was the work of Cain, there was the work of Abel. They both did work. One was a farmer. One was a herdsman. The farmer, Cain, thought he would bring the best of his stuff and offer it to God. Thought that made a lot of sense. And all of us probably agree with that sentiment. Makes a lot of sense. Abel did the same thing. He brought the best of his, the first the firstborn of his, of his flock and brought, them, brought it in and, and slaughtered it and offered the sacrifice. God was only pleased with one of those sacrifices, with one of those works. The reason being, we find this out in Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith, really the great chapter on work of faith to help us really understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's, when he's commi- praying for these Thessalonians to be fruitful in their works prompted by faith, in their work of faith, we find out that the reason God was pleased with Abel's offering is because it was the offering that he commanded. Cain was doing his own thing. Still trying to please God, still trying to honor God, but doing it in his own way, not by faith. Abel was commended for his faith because God called for that blood sacrifice because the son of God wasn't going to become a vegetable and sacrificed he was going to become a man and his blood was going to be shed and that sacrifice of Abel was a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us it was important and you'll see that throughout the entire Old Testament it's very it was very important for the Israelites to follow the instructions of God carefully because all of those things that took place in the Old Testament 
were set up to, to prepare them for the sacrifice, for the death, for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Abel did his sacrificing by faith. God said he wanted the offering done in a certain way, and Abel did it in a certain way, by faith. Not doing his own thing, not thinking, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to get one of my brother's animals that he raised and sacrificed it to God. That wouldn't be a good, that's not going to be as good as my own, my, my best stuff. Makes a lot of sense, humanly speaking, without the big picture in mind, which is often our approach to life. Instead of consulting God, instead of looking to his word to find out how we're supposed to do what we do, we think of our own ideas. Even, even to the point of, of, of forgiveness and salvation. There are so many people that would, that would have seen a, a baptism like we saw this morning with, with Graham and Asher. And they think, now those guys, now they're probably, probably going to get to heaven. They've, they've, they've done something pretty important that's probably going to get them into heaven. I want you to know Asher and Graham both know that's not the case. That's not what water baptism is all about. But a lot of people put things together in their minds. Think, in fact, when I was their age, that was exactly why I put things together. My brother was baptized in water. And I said, I want to be baptized in water because it makes sense that to do something like that, that Jesus did, that Jesus commanded, that that would be the thing that could kind of put me over the top so that my goodness could outweigh my badness. Because that's what I was shooting for. That's what I was trying to do. I had put that together. Growing up, in a Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching church, that was still what I had put together in my mind, that I was still trying to be good, good enough to make it into heaven. And when I saw my brother baptized in water, I said, that's what I need to do. That's the thing that's going to put me over the top. That's the thing that's going to help me stop sinning and it's going to help me be a good boy. And so that's what I did. I went to the pastor. I said, I want to be baptized. And praise God, my pastor saw through what was going on and he had a meeting with me, and he explained the gospel to me through Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, there's his grace, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I found out that my way of thinking wasn't adequate, wasn't sufficient, it wasn't right, it wasn't going to get me to heaven. Being baptized in water wasn't going to do me any good. It might make me feel better. But it wasn't going to do me any good. I needed to have my sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. I needed my sins forgiven and forgotten, completely taken away from me, taken off of me. And that's exactly what God did for me that day when I believed in Jesus, when I received him. That's what the the Apostle John says happens. He says receiving him and believing in him really are the same thing. In in John 1.12, when, when John's describing the people that believed, he said, a lot of people, most people in Israel didn't believe in Jesus. He said, but those who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's what happened to me that day. That's what's happened to Asher and to Graham. Not because of water baptism, but because they believe, because we believe on his name. The water baptism is an act or a work of faith. Jesus says, be baptized. We do it. He has a reason for it. 
Lots of reasons for it. And lots of us experienced some of those reasons this morning. As we were encouraged in our own faith, seeing these, men, these young boys putting their trust in Christ and, and so enthusiastically obeying God as believers in Jesus, doing what he wants them to do, even in front of people, even something that you don't do in any other realm, being dunked in water other than when you're playing in the pool, you know, with your buddies and, and then it's for fun or, or not. Um, this, is some, this is something unusual that we do in obedience to God's word. It is a work of faith. God says do it, and we do it. As Dan was reading the list of these ministries that, and minister, uh, missionaries that we support, I was just thinking of the work of faith that is being done by those people. And we're part of it. We're teammates with them. Obeying God in some very difficult ways. Two of the organizations that he, that, he, that he mentioned are fighting against abortion in our country, in our own community and our country. Difficult work, hard work, especially these days. But it's a work that they're doing by faith, believing that God wants them to obey the word of God, which tells us, to protect those that can't protect themselves. Is there there a better example of an orphan than a baby in utero who's not loved and is going to be disposed of? And yet, these organizations abort 73 in Whispering Hope Crisis Pregnancy Center and coming, they're working every day to try to help those mothers and those fathers realize what a precious gift they've been given. They've been given and what an honor it is for them. Even though it's going to be difficult, even though it's going to be hard, as all of us who are parents know, what an honor it's going to be for them to give birth and to raise that child or to or to give that child to a family that will raise it with love and care and concern. It's a work of faith that those those people are doing. And the Apostle Paul wants us to recognize, as as he did the Thessalonians, as he tells them, this is what I'm praying for you all, that the work that you do, that you'll do it by faith, that you won't try and do it in your own strength, you won't try and do it with your own ideas. But you'll do it according to the word of God, by the strength of God. That's what he says, by, by his power. We can't do the, this work of faith on our own. It comes in obedience to God's word, and it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it comes, as the context of this letter is written, it comes in the fellowship of the local church. So that we do these works of faith. Oh, we're doing different kinds of work. All of us are. Some of our work is right here in this local church, for this local church. Some of our work is outside of this church. But it's work, if it's it's done in obedience to Christ, it's done in obedience to his word, it's work of faith 
believing that this is what God wants us to do and that we do it in his power and for his glory. And so I ask you as we compare ourselves, as we end the service this morning, as we compare ourselves to this persecuted church in the first century, are you working by faith? Here, within the context of Midway Community Church, as we come out of the pandemic, are you working by faith within this body? Are, we, are you working by faith in your home? Are you working by faith in your job? You say, wait, I don't, I don't work for a Christian organization. Great. Your work of faith will be all that much more noticeable and impactful as you live your life and do your work the strength of God for his glory. You'll, you'll show people things they've never seen before. You'll tell people things they've never told before. And, you'll, and you think, but, but, but wait a minute, I, you know, if, if I might get fired. Yes, you might. It does happen. But there's also ways to do your work of faith in ways that conform to most of the companies, even though it's difficult at times. By faith. But remember, when we do our work of faith, we're not guaranteed that everything's going to come out rosy. Remember that. As you read Hebrews chapter 11 and see the work of faith that these men and women did throughout the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see, for example, just the one that we used this morning, how did it work out for Abel? Well, pretty good. When you think that he was the first person to heaven, but pretty bad in the way he had to get there. Killed by his own brother. But isn't that, isn't that a great way that we have to look at life? The worst thing that you can imagine, getting killed by your own brother, well, just ushered him into heaven. Just ushered him in, into the glory of God. Abel has no regrets, I assure you. He's still very glad that he gave the offering that he gave. He wishes probably that he had more opportunity uh, to get, but, but he doesn't regret anything because he's been in the glory of God ever since that moment. It doesn't always work out great as, as far as the way the world thinks of great. But the work of faith that, that Paul is praying will be fruitful in these Thessalonians' lives. The fruit is not in it turning out great as the world looks at it. The fruit is doing what God wants us to do in his way for his glory. And let him take care of the results. And he is doing that through everybody who will follow him. You saw in the, in the reading from the baptism this morning that Jesus said not only to baptize these new disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he said in teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. That's the work of faith. To obey everything that he's commanded. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul after being chased out of Thessalonica to continue to support that church, not only through his encouraging letters, but more importantly through prayer. And we thank you that we get the content of one of his prayers. That we can 
copy that we can use ourselves as we pray for each other. Father, you know this this concept of, of work of faith is difficult for us. It sets us apart. It means that we talk different. It means that we talk about different things in different ways. It means that our priorities are different. It means our values are different. It's hard. Father, we thank you that even though it's hard, that it is our way of bringing you honor and glory in this life. And we thank you for the promises that you've made concerning the rewards that you're going to give us for our our obedience to your word, to our work of faith. And we thank you for the way that you use us when we obey. We thank you for the way that you use us in the lives of others, other believers who are encouraged also to obey, and others who don't know Christ, who are encouraged to inquire, who are encouraged to think about, who are encouraged to wonder if what we know about you is true and if it's something that they should also believe in. Father, we pray that you would make us fruitful in our works of faith as a church, as smaller groups within our church, as families, as individuals, that you would make us fruitful as you made the Thessalonians. And Father, for those who are here this morning, in whatever capacity, whether online or or here in person, if they are here this morning and still haven't put their trust in Jesus, they haven't yet received him, as John put it, they haven't believed in his name, give them the courage and faith to do that this morning. That they also will be given new life. That they'll be resurrected up out of that grave that we sang about this morning that the boys pictured in their baptisms. That they would also put their sins to death in Christ. And that they would also rise again to new life in him by putting their trust in Jesus. Help them to do that today. And we pray it in Jesus' great name, our Savior, our Lord. Amen.